Thanks for downloading and welcome to a special episode of Take Orally, recorded from the 5th Undergraduate Medical Education Conference, or UMEC, on uh, Wednesday, the 27th of June, 2018. This is the conference of the Undergraduate Medical Education Department at um, NUH NHS Trust, and it's a chance to showcase the best in medical education. So you're going to hear from some of the speakers and some of the attendees talking about their experiences there. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, my name's uh, Nick Kithriotis. I'm the Undergraduate Medical Education Manager here at NUH, um, and I'm one of the main organisers with Lisa Evans of this day. I think really I'm just looking forward to um, everyone like working together and sharing good ideas, um, this being one of them, and I think it's a great um, tool for our medical students, so it'd be great to um, have all the things that we're seeing today for all our students across all the different sites. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great day. I'm a neurologist here at NUH. I've uh, been really impressed by the range of innovative ideas uh, in education here at NUH. Uh, I thought the um, OSCE, the get the students to write their own OSCEs was a fantastic idea. And I'm also impressed by the podcasts that are generated by the Dream Team. So all in all, a very inspiring morning so far. I hope the afternoon is as good. Um, hi, it's uh, uh, Dr. Anna Richmond. I'm one of the teaching fellows um, at NUH. Um, I've done a lot of these podcasts with Jamie before, so very grateful to be asked to do this um, again. So today at UMEC, I'm presenting um, effective teaching strategies um, and effective learning strategies for our medical students. Um, we found that um, a lot of our medical students don't always know the best way to go about their self-directed learning. We'll often use strategies that worked for them in secondary school, such as rereading information and making notes but there's very little information uh, and evidence uh, that back up that as an effective strategy for long-term retention of knowledge. However there are some strategies that have been well published in the cognitive psychology literature um, that we should be integrating into our practice to help students with long-term retention of knowledge. These ones um, I will briefly mention now so there is retrieval uh, practice which essentially is encouraging students to retrieve as much information as they can from their memory before we go about teaching them or before they go back to look at their own notes. Uh, but this could be incorporated quite nicely with space practice. So rather than blocking information altogether, the students will space the information out over a longer period of time. This is really important for students that want to uh, create revision plans that don't utilise cramming. Rather than five hours in one go, they study for five uh, days, an hour each time. Um, the last part of um, the learning strategy that can be integrated into revision sessions is something called interleaving or mixing things up. This is where students will study a mix of different topics one after the other. It may be that they seem um, seemingly inter uh, not connected in any way, but actually uh, connecting uh, differences and similarities between the topics will help them learn. Um, another three learning strategies are to help students kind of have a more meaningful understanding of information. These are elaborating, so encouraging students to say as much as they 
possibly can about um, a given condition or a topic. Uh, giving practical examples, which is quite easy in medicine, where they draw um, links to the patients they've seen and practical clinical examples. Um, and dual coding, so making sure that we use information um, in a visual and a word format is easier to understand than information that's given either in just a visual or word format alone. Um, there's a lot of information from cognitive psychology literature that help back up these uh, strategies and also um, some um, evidence from the medical education literature that these are also beneficial. So we should be trying to integrate them into our teaching practices um, and also encouraging students to integrate them into their revision strategies. Thank you very much. Hi, my name is Jean Sheridan and I'm a simulated patient and I was invited here today by Nick, um, I think because he wanted Elaine and I, who is also a simulated patient, to see how these sort of things worked and up to now we're finding it really, really interesting. There are a lot of people here, a lot of doctors, people that we've worked with, but also people that we've never met before. We've gone through all the introduction speeches, which are very interesting, and we've done a workshop, which was really, really interesting because it was involving some of the things we did. As a simulated patient, I do work for Dream, and I also do work for Nick, and sometimes for the university as well. So I do see a wide variety of students, different levels of skills. And it's really interesting to see the doctor's side of it, the doctors who are actually doing the training, their dilemmas and what we don't realise as simulated patients are the obstacles that they face actually teaching the students. So it opens up a whole new perspective to us as simulated patients to see it from all sides of the spectrum. It's really, really interesting. I'm really looking forward to this afternoon. Hopefully it will be as interesting as this morning was and well we just feel very lucky to be here and hope we'll be asked again. Uh, so I'm Dr Holly Kingsnorth and I alongside my colleagues uh, Dr Dan Mitchell and Dr James Deary from Lincoln and Nottingham uh, hospitals have uh, come to the conference to speak about our SMOSKI project. So a SMOSKI is a student developed Mokoski stations and uh, this is a collaborative cross-site exercise to help with student revision. So last year Nottingham Medical School uh, made some pretty significant changes to their CP3 OSCEs uh, in a drive to make them more integrated and realistic to F1 life. So that meant moving away from system-based uh, checklist marked stations in their OSCEs to complex multifaceted stations. Uh, and with that change, there was no longer a checklist. It's all domain-based marking. So students will be marked for their communication skills, their professionalism, and their examination, all within your traditional examine this cardio system OSCE station. So students were naturally very anxious about this change to their final exams at medical school. So uh, the clinical teaching fellow team at Lincoln Undergraduate uh, Medical Education Centre last year pioneered uh, the SMOSCI. The idea being that we get students to uh, create their own Mokoski stations following the new format and we would support them to do that. Now there's actually evidence that getting students to author their MCQs uh, promotes higher order thinking and improves performance because if you have to write a question you must understand uh, the science behind it. 
And so this is also thought to apply to OSCEs. If you write a uh, scenario about a patient with abdominal pain that turns out to be pancreatitis, the thought is that you should then learn about pancreatitis by writing the scenario. And we also hoped that this would improve students' familiarity with the exam format, uh, as well as giving them some uh, much-wanted revision materials. So this was a really popular exercise. In the 2016-17 cohort at Lincoln, we had 19 students in their final year of medical school take part. And between them, they created 31 different OSCE stations covering surgery, critical illness, and MDD, which is uh, musculoskeletal disorders. Uh, there was significant interest and the stations were um, distributed using uh, Dropbox, so it spread like wildfire throughout the medical school. Uh, and following on from that, the following year, um, some students on the medicine module at Nottingham uh, in the next year's cohort uh, repeated the exercise and made some medicine-specific stations too. With support from the team at Lincoln, the Nottingham teaching fellows were able to uh, support this exercise, giving us another 30 uh, OSCE stations. So in total, there were 47 students that took part in the project across Lincoln and Nottingham across the two years, and they were given a booklet about how to write a realistic, thorough OSCE station, uh, ultimately generating 61 mock OSCE stations written by students with patient and examiner guidance, student instructions and mark sheets. The teaching fellows at both Nottingham and Lincoln reviewed and edited these stations with the students to ensure clinical accuracy and adherence to the new exam format, so they were accurate. Uh, and then we made an open dropbox link and sent it to all the students' authors and all the students within the department. We then sent out some feedback surveys after the exams had finished, one to the authors of the Smoskis and one to the students who had used it. And the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. 98% of students that had used the Smoskis felt they'd been a useful revision tool with 100% feeling that they uh, improved their understanding of the new exam format. And that was a, a number of 50 students. Authors of students, 37 of them completed our feedback survey and 97% of them felt that the process of creating a station was a useful exercise for their exam revision, with 95% of them feeling that it improved their understanding of the exam format too. We also got some qualitative free text feedback based on the breadth and quality of the stations and that praised uh, the breadth and quality of the stations, uh, as well as their closeness to the real exams format. Multiple students said that using the Smosky resource decreased their anxiety levels about the upcoming exams. And so overall, our Smoskis fulfilled three main objectives. One, they provided an effective revision exercise for the student authors. Two, we created revision materials specifically tailored to this new domain-based exam format. And three, we helped to reduce student anxiety by improving their familiarity with the new exam format. In the future, we're hoping this can be expanded by having other local education providers um, creating Smoskis to share across the East Midlands uh, and beyond, potentially. Um, and we're hoping to cover other modules. So as well as final year, the CP3 students, we're hoping to get um, spread this down the years into the specialty years of CP2 and the more basic medicine and surgery of CP1, um, as well as creating a region-wide bank of student-created stations that the students can use, it's also quite useful for the educators to use for teaching purposes too, and we hope to see this extended. Hello, my name's Simon, I'm a teaching fellow in medicine at Queen's. Uh, today I help present about SMOSKIS, which is a project called Student Mark OSCEs. Um, it was originally developed at Lincoln um, to facilitate students to write OSCE stations that they could then later use as a revision aid to 
to um, facilitate more Gorskis that they can run for themselves. Um, it was a project that um, ran at Lincoln quite successfully, but didn't have any medicine stations in it. Then I was able to hear about the project at a clinical teachers meeting that happened last August. So by happy accident, I found out about this great piece of um, this great edu educational activity, and I was able to bring it to Queens. Um, I think it highlights the importance of us as educators working as a community of practice. Um, we really need to adopt a networked approach to share good practice within the region. There's often quite excellent silos of activity that happen at the different local education providers, but we're not very good at sharing. Um, so this was a great um, project to highlight how good practice can be shared between different trusts. Um, due to the geographical distance between Nottingham and Lincoln, we were able to use um, WhatsApp, emails, Skype to facilitate meetings that traditionally might not have been able to happen. Um, the student feedback we got from the project has been unanimously positive. So the next hope is that we can roll it out to different years of the medical course and different specialities. Um, I've had a number of conversations today about different ways that small skis can be rolled out into neurology, um, special study modules and HCOR attachments as well. Uh, hi, it's uh, Bryn Baxendale. I'm director of the Trent, Clinical, Trent Simulation Clinical Skills Centre at uh, NUH and uh, it's a great pleasure to be involved with today's event and uh, having seen it develop over the past few years into what is actually quite a, a thriving conference now and it's just excellent to experience and listen to some of the great innovations that are going across, uh, going on within medical education across NUH. Um, I think it's brilliant to showcase some of those internally, to share ideas, to build and develop those networks that are taking place and also to help understand some of the broader, more strategic changes that are afoot in medical education such that we're um, well placed really to respond to those or if even to lead and innovate in some of the ideas that we have. Hello, my name is Molly McLaughlin. I'm Clinical Teaching Fellow for Clinical Skills and Simulation. And I'm presenting here today the clinical skills videos that we've devised with Trent Simulation and Clinical uh, Skills Centre team. Um, they, they're now live on the Trent Sim YouTube channel. Um, so if you go to the channel and there's a playlist for mandatory core training skills. Um, so I'm Rebecca, I'm one of the Medicine Teaching Fellows here, um, Medical Registrars, um, and I've been presenting my project which is uh, called What is a Doctor? Um, and and basically I gave, uh, posed the question of what is a doctor to medical students at various stages of their training. They got to write it down on a post-it note and then I've collated that all together and looked at common themes um, and how those uh, themes progressed during the time of being a medical student. What did you find? Um, and generally, so generally the um, most common themes were uh, it was patient-centered, of caring, of being a professional, um, and of health. Um, but over time, negative themes such as being overpressured, overworked, underpaid, started to creep in, um, and that seemed to change with the same cohort of students at the beginning of an attachment to the end of an attachment. So, I think the the conclusion that we've drawn is that. Um, students, are, as they're increasingly exposed to life as a junior doctor, perhaps start to develop more negative perceptions of what the world of work will 
will be like and so I think we perhaps need to do some work about how we manage those expectations but also potentially look at actually what the life of a junior adopter is like and, and um, perhaps the perception of the students isn't necessarily inaccurate. Right, um, my name's Mark Falls. I'm the Interprofessional Lead Educator from DREAM, uh, which is uh, an education unit uh, attached to the ED department at Nottingham. Uh, today I've been doing a workshop session uh, regarding clinical reasoning in undergraduate medical education and the use of it. And also um, doing a presentation regarding the Australian National Health Education and Training Simulation Programme, which is abbreviated to NETSIM and how we are working on a project to try and establish this programme in the UK. What's involved? Okay, so the NetSim program is designed as an entry-level simulation program uh, to support people uh, who are undertaking simulation-based education. Um, it's a program that's well established in Australia. Um, we've looked at the program and are working with the Monash University in Australia to actually bring a version of it to the UK and see if we can uh, look at it for UK use. Uh, hi, my name's Garland. I'm a uh, teaching fellow in geriatric medicine and medicine. Uh, I work at Nottingham City Hospital. Um, at UMEC 2018 today, I've done a presentation titled The Wellbeing of Medical Students During Their Clinical Placements. Um, together with a colleague of mine, Dr. Madeline Jacobs, we put together a session uh, focusing on the well-being of medical students during their clinical phases. Um, we spoke a bit about how holistic patient care and patient-centered care was important and talked about the models around that. And then we focused very much on the medical students themselves and looked at some of the unique challenges that they face, whether that's physical demands or work balance or financial or academic pressures. Um, and then when we asked them anonymously, anonymously to us, um, bring up any things that they were particularly concerned about during their clinical phases and we tried to address some of those. And the final part of our session was about signposting them towards resources that were available. So support available within the university, support that we could provide for them um, and uh, used it as an opportunity to see how um, we could address any of their concerns. So yeah, it's been a really great day and uh, thank you very much. So I'm Johnny Coleman, I'm a clinical pharmacist at NUH. Uh, I've been presenting on helping medical students to get medication right first time through ward-based medicines reconciliation teaching. Basically I've got um, students when they were doing a medical attachment and when they're on an AMU week um, and got them to do a little bit of work on the wards. Um, so I gave them a, a brief outline about what medicines reconciliation is. Um, and then they shadowed, um, usually myself, doing medicine reconciliation with a, uh, a patient. Um, and I gave them some key tips and points whilst we were going around that. And then let them have a go in pairs with real life patients um, to have a go at medicines reconciliation. And basically we found that um, through doing this, that um, students really learned that there's quite a lot of information sources available, um, the pros and cons of using the different information sources, and the real importance of using more than one to collaborate a, a history of what that patient's on in terms of medication, and, and the errors that can happen if you just use one information source on its own. We hope you enjoyed this uh, special episode of Take Orally recorded at UMEC. We'll have a blog entry with all the uh, links mentioned uh, and more details on, on what the speakers were talking about. 
Uh, look out for our next episode of Take Crawley coming very, very soon, uh, where we'll be discussing palpitations. Remember that Take Crawley can be found on both Facebook and Twitter, as well as at www.takecrawley.com. NUH Dream can also be found on both Facebook and Twitter.